Hello, I'm Hamish Adam. On behalf of the Independent Research Forum, welcome to this podcast with Michael Belkin of the Belkin Report. The Independent Research Forum was established to promote the best of independent research providers. Our research providers span a comprehensive range, including stock pickers, macroeconomists, politics and policy analysis, boutique consultancies, corporate investigators, and much more. Michael Belkin runs a quantitative model for asset price forecasting that he developed whilst working for Salomon Brothers in the late 80s and early 90s. In 92, he broke out on his own to start his own research service, the Belkin Report, using this quantitative model. The model is particularly useful for guiding investors through sector rotations. Belkin Report clients have benefited enormously from the model's guidance so far this year, being short equities at the start of the year, going long in mid-March, and catching some powerful sector rotations such as the bottom in airline stocks in early May. So, Without further ado, I welcome Michael Belkin to this podcast, and um, let's let's start off, Michael, by by talking about your latest report, which um, which refers to your outlook for long term bond yields, and then goes through some sector rotation implications from there. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, Hamish. Thank you for having me. So, uh, yeah, my model is a form of time series analysis. I. I studied at UC Berkeley Business School in the statistics department, uh, Fourier analysis and Box Jenkins analysis. And I developed my own quantitative forecasting model um, based on my studies into the mathematics of those disciplines. So it's kind of cyclical, but um, it looks for turning points in major asset classes. And uh, as you said, so this week's report, uh, I've been waiting for this for a long time to set up. So both my intermediate was a three-month view and long-term, which is 12-month view, both of those models forecasts are turning up for global bond yields. And it's not just a U.S. thing. Um, So I I follow 10-year government bond yields in basically all the major countries and EM markets. And and then I construct an equally weighted average. So it's basically a synthetic global interest rate, which is about 3.5% right now for um, global 10-year yields. And anyways, uh, long story short, I think we've hit a major turning point in the last about five, six weeks. And um, so I expect bond yields to rise in the UK, Australia, Canada, Brazil, Mexico, Indonesia, India, Thailand, Philippines, Malaysia, Taiwan, Italy, Spain, Portugal, Poland, Greece, and the US. Now we're talking 10-year bond yields, not short-term interest rates. Obviously, the Federal Reserve and the ECB and everybody else is are they are holding short-term interest rates down. So it's, it will be very difficult for two-year anything with maturities less than two years for those yields to rise. It's the longer uh, maturities that I think are turning up. Now the model doesn't give you a uh, a reason for something to happen. It just gives you a forecast, a statistical forecast. So, um, you know, it's like putting the pieces of the puzzle together, uh, what might make uh, bond yields rise, global bond yields. Um, Well, obviously, the Fed just came out with a push for higher inflation, and um, that's number one. Too much stimulus, number two. Number three, budget and debt issuance by uh, governments and corporations has been off the charts. Um, And number four is a weak dollar. Now, that's a very big part of my scenario. I'm, I'm bearish on the dollar. I've remained bearish for, you know, the last four or five months. 
And I think the dollar is headed a lot lower. And um, I think that that um, could make U.S. interest rates rise. Um, uh, number five, another thing is the virus could be peaking globally. And of course, um, economic recovery. Now, we saw the PMIs everywhere in the world were up strongly today uh, in China and the U.S. So there is some sort of a manufacturing recovery underway. And um, interest rates are artificially low compared to what's happening uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't know it by by reading Bloomberg. You know you'd be hiding under your desk because you think you're going to die of coronavirus. Um, but I, there's a big political push to uh, make the the pandemic, so-called pandemic, look a lot worse than it really is. It's not like it's not there. But um, anyways, the economy is chugging along with all this stimulus, and I think that's going to make long-term interest rates rise. So that's my that's my latest view. Um, we can talk about other things, but dollar down. Uh, interest rates up <clears throat> for the next, by the way, so I've been bullish on bonds since late 2018. So you have to put that in perspective. I was looking for a decline in interest rates when the Fed dot plots were all looking for a rise. <clears throat> so I think that the long-term the long -term outlook for uh, interest rates is turning from down to up on 10-year bond yields. And that's a big change for me. I've been long bonds for a long time. So that's the that's the latest shift in the forecast. Right. Thanks. And, and you mentioned a, a lot of countries there for which you are um, or your model is predicting long-term rates to rise. Are, are there any notable exceptions? And I know that the model doesn't give a reason, but you can sort of perhaps come up with some potential reasons yourself. Yes, of course. So uh, the two obvious uh, ones that aren't in, in included in that list are Japan and Germany. And they both uh, have very low artificially depressed interest rates and the central banks are buying the heck out of uh, the 10-year uh, bonds in both countries. So I, I, I expect if the world interest rates rise, then those interest rates will rise too. I'm just not picking it up in the model forecast yet, and I have to go with the model. So not yet on Japan or Germany, but yes, particularly on emerging markets and places like Italy. By the way, I just flipped from long to short on Italian BTP bond futures. So I was long Italian bonds until last week, and now I'm short. So that's um, an example of what I try to do with the model forecast is uh, identify these, these inflection points where... Um, that are important to catch and not miss if you are a an asset manager. So, by the way, this has major implications for investment managers. So, you know, my recommendations for fixed income managers, they should shift to the shortest maturities to avoid losses on longer term bonds like 10 years. And multi-asset managers should shift out of long-term bonds into something else. Uh, stocks are still going up. I'm, I've been bullish on stocks, by the way, since March 16th. And the S&P was 23.86 on March 16th when I issued a buy signal, went from short to long. Uh, it's now 3,500, up 47%. The NASDAQ was at 71.75, NASDAQ 100. On March 16th, it's now above 12,000. It's up 73%. I'm still long those both of those indexes, um, but uh, <laughs> obviously they've moved uh, quite a long ways already and um i'm i'm uh, my current forecast is the market will keep going up through september 
Uh, but um, the bond yields rising is a potential stumbling block here, not right away, but maybe in a month or two. So anyways, uh, multi-asset managers should shift out of bonds into something else, cash, maybe equities for a little while. Hedge funds <clears throat> should consider shorting global bond futures. Now that's very contrarian. You don't hear that from anybody right now saying short bonds. So um, whereas I was saying it was very contrarian to say buy bonds back in <clears throat> late 2018 when I recommended buying euro dollars, buying uh, U.S. treasuries, buying global bonds. Um, at that time, <clears throat> there was a huge short position in speculative shorts in U.S. Uh, 10-year and 30-year treasuries. Now it's pretty much gone. But um, I was saying to buy them when everybody was short. Now I'm saying to sell them and short them. And basically, the the last implication is for the stock market, where if interest rates are going to rise, I mean, I'm not expecting a, a huge spike right away, just this is a major turning point. But if long-term interest rates start rising, then um, you want to switch out of stock market sectors that have a strong bond correlation, which, by, by the way, is technology. Technology right. benefits the best from lower interest rates. And technology, I was long technology for a long time in the model, in the se sector rotation forecast. I'm not anymore. I think tech is topping. Hasn't worked yet, but um, I'm seeing it coming. I'm seeing a major shift in rotation coming in the model forecast. And obviously, the the one sector that really benefits a lot from rising interest rates is financials. So profit right. margins, ha uh, financials have increased profit margins. And by the way, so if short-term interest rates aren't going to rise because they're artificially depressed by central banks, but long-term interest rates rise, that means the yield curves will steepen dramatically. And so I have a, a yield curve steepening signal, and that is, ex that is extremely bullish for financials. So that's nobody's looking for that. Financials have been in the doghouse for a long time. Uh, I'm expecting financials to start um, outperforming. Hasn't happened yet, but it's there in the model forecast, and now we have a fundamental reason, perhaps, with a steeper yield, steeper yield curve and higher long-term interest rates. Thank you. Thank you. And Two two questions from me. One on um, two things to come to, that come to mind are gold and also um, just a clarification on, on the position of financials within your sort of model forecast ranking. So I, no I noticed that they're not quite sort of at, at the top yet. So maybe let's start with gold, which which is at the top. Gold and particularly the gold mining stocks are at the at the top of your um, your 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 stock and sector and group rankings on which you can find on on is it the third fourth page of the report um, six sorry sixth page sixth page of, of of the latest report and some some people would say that um gold lately and also therefore gold stocks have been benefiting from um actually they've been benefiting from the virus fears generally and also from um bond yields going lower or more precisely perhaps um real yields going lower so how um how vulnerable do you think that gold and gold stocks could be to good news on the virus and sort of um, rolling back of some of the perhaps excessive um, fear which is which has been spread by the media 
and also to the the rise in the rise in 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 bond yields and and would you would you sort of make a comment about your outlook for the the real yields yeah so um real yields the break even rate um on bloomberg is like 1. Point, negative 1.1% right now on 10 year in the US uh, last time i looked so and you know the fed chairman just came out and said he wants higher inflation so higher inflation makes <laughs> more negative, you know, makes real yields go more negative. And so commodities have been just zooming. You know, I've been uh, in the, I cover commodities in the report and I've been completely long, no shorts at all on commodities for months and months. And um, we've had a huge move in, in already in silver and gold, as you mentioned. Um, a lot of other things are starting to move. Grains are starting to move. Uh, energy has recovered some. Softs, coffee, cocoa, things like that. Uh, wheat, corn, soybeans, those are all starting to take off from pretty low levels. So I, I think we're in a generalized commodity you know, uh, rally. And it's a case of be careful what you wish for, Fed chairman. Um, you know, it's, it's really an ironic that you have a central bank you know, trying to get higher inflation. If, you're, you know, if you've followed central banking for years and years, as I have, that's really a new one for the record books. I mean, they've been talking about it. But, uh, you know, but um, welcoming inflation, it's kind of like waving a red flag to a charging bull, you know, so better be careful what you wish for. Um, so getting back to gold, like what you said about gold, I think the primary determinant of what happens to gold is what happens to the dollar. Now, let me put that in perspective. I'm short the dollar. I think the long term, the, the dollar peaked back when the stock market bottomed back in March. So back then, the dollar index was 104 DXY. It's now 91, down 12%. Um, <clears throat> it just broke a trend line, uh, if you look at things technically, going back to 2011. So it's just starting to break down. My long-term forecast is down. Of course, it can always bounce you know, for a few days or a week or something. But the long-term forecast is down for the dollar. And that is extremely bullish for gold. And so I think if you look at what gold, you know, people are saying gold is correlated to negative real rates. Um, yes. And I think negative real rates will, you know, they will stay negative because the inflation rate is rising, <clears throat> even though long-term rates might rise. Um, I think what's more important for gold is what happens to the dollar. And let me give you an idea where it could go. So the dollar index now at 91, it, back in early 2018, it was 88. That's the next target. That's only down 3%. After that, it's 2000 in 2014 it was 79 it's 91 to 79 that's down 13% from current levels and then if you go back to where it was in the 2008 credit crisis the dollar index was 72 it's currently 91 so that's down 21% i wouldn't be surprised if the dxy fell another 20% so um that's incredibly bullish for gold and why would the dollar fall you ask okay well let me give you a couple of reasons the Federal Reserve has expanded its balance sheet by 2.9 trillion since February 26th. That's up 69%. The, the Fed has monetized the entire US budget deficit, which is 2.9 trillion. So they're they're dancing, you know, they're they're, you know, skating on thin ice as far as I'm concerned. This is what Argentina does. They they monetize federal government spending 
and their currency craters, and then the inflation rate goes up. So I'm not saying we're like in hyperinflation yet or anything, but this is really dangerous ground. Um, that you know, I followed the Fed closely for decades, and they've never done anything like this. This is beyond anything in the record books of, of in terms of credit expansion. M2 is up 20% year to date. So they're they're goosing the money supply like crazy. They're increasing the Fed Fed credit. They're monetizing the entire budget deficit. And um, that's bad for the dollar and good for gold. So I think that's the primary determinant of gold. And let me just talk about gold stocks for a second. Now, um, you mentioned gold stocks, my number one recommendation, and they're up enormously year to date. It's been a wonderful trade. It kind of been a little bit sideways for the last month or so. But um, Warren Buffett just came out and bought Barrick Gold, right. which, is the, which is the second largest gold miner. Uh, that was two weeks ago. And, um, you know, he kind of put the Warren Buffett seal of approval on gold mining of all things, you know, he, and he's been skeptical of gold in the past, although you have to acknowledge he bought tons of silver um, when silver was four or five dollars back about 10 years ago. Um, right. But uh, let me just put things in perspective about Barrick Gold and other gold mining companies. There's something called all in sustaining costs. That's the way you measure the cost of production for gold miners, AISC. So Barrick Gold's AISC, all in sustaining costs, are 1,031, $1,031, $1,000 an ounce for gold. Gold is currently almost $2,000 an ounce, right? So the gold price is around 1970, 1980. So that's a profit margin after all in sustaining costs of 90%. And um, there are a lot of other um, mining, uh, gold mining stocks. Um, Kirkland Lake, for one, KL, has AISC of 751. That's yeah. a profit margin of 164%. Now, AISC doesn't include financing costs or taxes, but it includes pretty much everything, cost of production. It's a, it's a very well-designed me- metric. Um, there's a I, there's a bunch of other gold stocks. I won't go through the whole list. Um, so it's you know, kind of like it gets you close to, let's say, an operating profit margin, which you can compare to other things that he's looking at, maybe. Right. So just to put that in perspective, the profit margin on the S&P 500 is currently 7%, 7% yeah. as opposed to a pro- operating profit margin of 100% on these gold miners, and the gold price is still rising. So- um, that's there's a fundamental reason to buy uh, gold and silver mining stocks because the price of what they produce has gone up astronomically and their costs are relatively low compared to what they're selling. So I think that's probably what one of the big things that triggered Warren Buffett's interest in gold miners. And I think there's complete ignorance. Most people, you mention gold stocks to them, you know, and they say, "What? Who cares? Are you a, you're just a gold bug or something?" Well, no, I'm not a gold bug. I, and to me. They're more like Fed bugs <laughs> and they're NASDAQ bugs, you know, like, so the, yeah, the NASDAQ's going up at the moment and, the, and it's because the Fed has uh, created all this excess credit. But ultimately, um, you know, I think the gold price will, will continue to rally. It's already up, you know, it's already almost $2,000. Silver, to put things in perspective, now gold is way above its 2016 peak. That was the first leg of the bull market. And silver for, was in 2016 was $50. It's currently 28. So silver has way lagged gold. So silver, just to catch up to where gold is now, would have to exceed $50. And from 28, you know, that's a that's almost a double, you know, to get to where gold is. So I think there's there's big upside in gold and silver. 
And if the gold, if the metals keep rising, these miners, which already have a hundred percent profit margin, you know, operating profit margin, then, um, you know, I don't, there's just not the awareness out there of what these companies are making. So I think they will continue to surprise with excellent earnings. And the, and the, the, um, one thing is the, the market capitalization of the silver mining sector is extremely small. There's just not that many silver mining stocks. And when money starts flowing into these things, you know, I think there could be a, just a tremendous bull market. Not you know, they haven't moved that much yet. They're starting to. Same thing in the gold sector. You know, Buffett bought the second largest cap one. Well, I think it's a twenty billion dollar market cap or something. So compared to these trillion dollar market cap stocks and Fang stocks, um, so there's not a lot of of room there. But what that means is, as money starts to discover the things that I'm talking about, the capitalization of these gold and silver stocks could uh, could increase just enormously to catch up with what's already happened, you know, in other sectors like tech. So other than that, um, outside of, outside of gold, uh, I see a rotation coming into things that are relatively depressed. For instance, consumer staples. So I look at everything in terms of ratios. So if you look at the ratio of consumer staples to the S and P, it's relatively depressed, and the forecast is a is turning up. It's just early. So it's not like it's taken off yet. And um, the model is like this. It looks for things where things are changing. So groups like tobacco, beverages, personal products, food and drug retailers, food, I think those are about to become, uh, I think they are coming under accumulation quietly. They haven't started to outperform yet. I think they soon will in the next few weeks or month. Uh, Other groups, uh, industrials, you know, we saw the high uh, ISM indexes, PMIs. Uh, there's still some industrial groups I like: road and rail, air freight, machinery. Uh, then, the, uh, then there's the financials. You know, money center banks, regional banks, insurance companies like Berkshire. That's on my outperform list. Uh, Canadian banks. Uh, that's got to be one of the most unpopular contrarian trades of all time. Nobody likes Canadian banks. I have them as an outperform. And emerging market banks. And by the way, I still like emerging markets. Emerging markets are have underperformed the U.S. by uh, certainly. I've been long uh, all along. I still I th- still think there's a lot of room to catch up. I like China. China is probably the strongest global market at the moment um, in terms of breaking out to, to new highs after the Nasdaq, of course. Outside of the U.S., China, the Chinese stock market looks positive to me, and and of course that drives emerging markets. It's the biggest weighting in the Morgan Stanley MSCI emerging market universe. So that's pretty much it. I see there's a there's a shift underway towards the defensive um, groups and sectors. That would be financials and consumer staples, even REITs a little bit. It's not working yet, but I think it's a preview of coming attractions. I think it's approaching. And uh, and then gold, it, gold has been moving, gold and silver mining stocks, and I think they will continue to move. And they're still my top pick uh, based on the model forecast, as well as the fundamentals that I described. I was unaware of that point about Buffett and, and silver about about ten years ago. Do you know? If, did he buy silver the um, commodity or silver stocks? He uh, let me see. He bought. I have to look it up. He bought. Okay. He bought physical silver. He did not buy silver stocks. He bought right. uh, tons, literally tons, of silver um, in the late nineteen nineties when nobody liked it. When it was, I, I believe, around four dollars an ounce, it's now twenty eight. 
and he quietly did it. And um, and even though he's disparaged precious metals since then, he has a, a and of course his father was a big um, gold uh, fan and a big Fed critic. Anyways, yeah. So Warren Buffett was a he, he's a he, he's. He has a keen nose for um, value, of course, and you know buying things when they're out of favor. And um, it's hard to find things like that in this market right now, of course. <laughs> but uh, he just made he just made a big um, commitment to one major gold stock. So you know, I think there's in a sense that that gives the green light to a lot of people who are closet. Um, Warren Buffett uh, clones, you know, who, people who follow his recommendations. I know there's a lot of people like that, smart value investors. And when Buffett does something, that puts it on the radar screen. So I think that should ignite, help ignite some interest in the gold mining sector. And they'll start looking at some of the things that I described, such as the all-in sustaining costs, uh, providing profit, uh, operating profit margins of almost 100%. Yeah, I've definitely come across a lot of people in my time who... Um, regurgitate his sort of story about it being you know a dumb metal that doesn't produce uh any income and it's you know not not an ideal way to hedge against inflation etc so but i guess he yeah he was normally talking about um a gold bullion and you know he's gone for a miner and i guess um yeah the the miners do do have <laughs> you can you can even take a significant haircut on the current gold price and the miners still have great fundamental numbers. So um, interesting. Great. Well, Michael, um, I'd love to chat to you even more about your your theories. But um, the, the the latest report is na- is now out. Um, all the subscribers can um, get a hold of it, or they can get a, a sample. Uh, if you're not a subscriber, you can get a sample through the Independent Research Forum. If you get in contact with me at Hamish at independentresearchforum.com. We would love to introduce you to Mr. Velkin's service. He, he publishes the report once uh, once a week, and it's useful It's useful for, for many different kinds of investors, um, macro investors, stock pickers. It's particularly useful for sense-checking the uh, stock picks that you, that you have to see if um, they're likely to come up against any sector rotation headwinds or or benefit from sector rotation tailwinds. And Michael's also available um, midweek to talk with subscribers um, in more detail about the um, output of his model. Um, so thank you so much for your time today, Michael. And uh, we look forward to the next report. Thank you so much for having me, Hamish.